0: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
1: I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss how marketing strategies can affect your company's valuation. Joining us is Shane Hegday, who is the CEO of AIR, which is a cloud collaboration tool for creative minds that fundamentally change the way teams approach visual work. The AIR product makes collaboration easier and eliminates the need to move assets to and from the cloud. And in addition to providing us with our guest today, AIR is also a sponsor of the MarTech podcast. And today, Shane and I are going to talk about his $100 million plan for building a unicorn in 24 months. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Shane Hegday, the CEO of AIR. Shane, welcome to the MarTech podcast.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Ben. It's an amazing description of our business there.
1: I would take all the credit in the world for copywriting. To be honest, I'm reading this for the first time. That was your marketing team who made the brilliant decision of being a sponsor of the MarTech podcast.
2: If I'm allowed to, it's been a great channel for us to support and a great community for us to tap into. So we really do appreciate the work you guys do.
1: I appreciate it. We're so excited to be working with you and the notion of creative collaboration and saving time managing digital assets. We do a lot of that, not with visual assets, but with audio. So when you guys get into uh, moving audio files around, we're here and we're ready for you. And I'm happy to be a beta tester. Perfect. Obviously, you and the company feel like a great fit for our community. And it's a MarTech tool and a problem that a lot of people have. But I don't want to spend all day talking about your decision to be a sponsor of the MarTech podcast. I I want to talk about your plans for AIR, and they are ambitious. I'm going to bust your chops a little because you're wearing a Stanford t-shirt and because (laughs) I am a dyed-in-the-wool, hardcore Cal football fan, admittedly. I couldn't get into Cal or Stanford. I went to Boston University, but the cross that I bear is rooting for Cal football and ambition comes along with the Stanford degree, it seems. <laughs> and and you've got a plan to build a unicorn with a hundred million dollars in twenty four months. How the hell are you gonna do that, Stanford boy? Well, <laughs> <laughs>
2: The first thing I'll say about this t-shirt I'm wearing is on your first day when you show up for orientation at Stanford, they give you your email address and they tell you that you'll be shocked at the response rate you'll get to any email you send out to anybody with this email address. So Use it to your heart's content. And it is both terrifying and inspiring at the same time. uh, It's sort of the first step into the foray of realizing that you can do anything you want with this one life you've been given. And you're able to go to a community like Stanford where people want to push you to grow and to learn and be ambitious, regardless of whatever that undertaking might be. You know, I think in that same spirit, to trace that to where our company is today We started AIR about four and a half years ago. Over the course of the last four and a half years, we built a business that today is valued at $110 million. And while valuations are what they are, it's really just a statement about the acceleration that we have had over the course of the last four and a half years to build an organization and a company and find product market fit and find product channel fit. So the blog post we wrote, sort of considering how this $100 million business becomes a unicorn over the course of the next 24 months. And to bring that narrative home a bit, I think a lot of the, the emphasis is around the challenge that an organization, and most specifically the individuals within it, the challenges that they face when you try to compound growth at that kind of level. And again, to bleed back the narrative between the Stanford email address and the ambition and what the organization is trying to do, The message here is you work at a startup or you go to a school like Stanford or even Cal because you want to accelerate your growth and your learnings at a really, really high up into the right almost exponential curve. And so that's why you work at these places. And that's why our ambition is what it is.
1: You did an incredible job weaving together my sort of Jokingly mocking Stanford and real business sense. I can't let you dig the school,
2: man. Come on.
1: <laughs> I went to my first Cal football game when I was two years old, grew up in the suburbs of San Francisco, closer to Stanford than Berkeley. My dad's best friend was a Cal fan, and why he made the decision to drag me up to Berkeley from the early age, I will never quite understand, other than his buddies <laughs> were going. But you make a great point of the equivalent of going to a great school and then making something of yourself in your career is like being in the growth stage of a startup right you're not going from zero to one you're not taking your high school english classes you are in an elite group and you are trying to take it to the next level and do something that truly impacts the world so talk to me a little bit about that growth phase and it is called growth so inherently there is some serious marketing focus and challenges You said the plan is to go from a hundred million to a billion dollar company, a unicorn in 24 months. I'm not smart enough to do the math of what the growth rate is there, but it's pretty quick. So, talk to me about some of the strategies for going from we're a big company, we're a hundred million dollar valuation. I'm assuming that's tens of millions of dollars in revenue to what probably has to be hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue or something that is super effing strategic. What's the plan?
2: Let's just talk about the fundamentals and then let's talk through the framework of my argument. The fundamentals in enterprise software, which is a category we're in, is that businesses in the growth stage trade at anywhere from 20 to 60 times revenue. Now, the variance there depends on the acceleration of your growth curve. If you're growing at 100 and 150%, you might trade at 20 times. If you're growing at 250%, you might grow at 40 times. So part of the sort of emphasis and understanding here is if our plan is to compound revenue at the pace that we've been currently compounding at, the valuation of the business should meet that curve at a normalized revenue multiple. So that's just the mechanics around how we get to the valuation. You know, our our perspective around how not only we enter the growth phase, but we continue to accelerate through it is really broken down into four key categories that we try to emphasize here and there. The first is a massive amount of emphasis on our fundamentals and we call that fortifying our base. So what we mean by that is at a SaaS business, and again, I'm playing to the business that we are, your business might be different, but in our category, things like retention and engagement or expansion are extremely foundational to the way that our organization will grow. Said another way, if you look at our 2021 growth, 45% of our growth came from expansion. These were existing customers who were just spending more. They were truing up or they were moving to the next pricing tier. And that's part of what solidifying our base is.
1: What I'm hearing from you is a lot of what you're focusing on is a product development to create new revenue streams and product marketing, right? You're not trying to consistently acquire new customers and get them sort of in the door. You already have an established customer base. You're trying to monetize them in a more efficient fashion.
2: I think that's spot on, you know, to translate that to a marketer, there's external marketing, there's net new additions, but there's also your existing group. And there's that existing group that you can market to in two ways. One could be product marketing, to your point, could be, hey, here's new features, new functions that could help unlock the next team at your business that could also use our tool. But then there's also things like community building and things like referral programs that can take your existing base and help drive net new from that. So I think there's two ways you could consider fortifying your base as it relates to marketing.
1: Right. Virality, another key component. All right. So you've got your established base. You're trying to use that as a marketing asset. You're trying to continue to market to it to upsell and and make it more profitable, increase the revenue base. What's next?
2: The next thing that we obsess about over here is documentation. And again, the presumption around this and the emphasis around this is specifically for remote organizations. But this could work anywhere. And the obsession over documentation is really an obsession around iteration. So from our perspective, if you're trying to scale, which is what the entire growth phase is about, then what you need to find a way to accomplish is how can you do the same thing for the same amount of money and get twice or three times as much output. That's the challenge. And it comes through in marketing speak with things like, your cacked LTV ratio or your payback period, right? Those are the ways in which you measure efficiency in your business. And from our perspective, efficiency starts in documentation and in process. At AIR, we're process people, right? We sell and build a product that's process oriented for marketers. And we think about all of the different processes around our organization on a continuum basis where nothing is ever done, everything can be questioned, and we accept the reality that in order to get to efficiency, we're gonna to have to refine this process week over week, day over day to get a new output. And so that acknowledgement of documentation is the center and it's all about the revisions of the documentation and the process serves at the heart of sort of the engine of iteration that exists in our business today.
1: I've said this a million times on the podcast, do document outsource, right? That's our recipe for success. You know, we run a small team here, lots of contractors, distributed workforce. We figure out what works, we try to document it, and we try to go find somebody that can do it efficiently, At affordable rates for labor. And that's how we've been able to scale from this being me as a creator to running a network of podcasts. And that's what the I Hear Everything brand that owns the Martech podcast is about. So once you get past, all right, we've got an initial user base, we're trying to make the most out of it, we're documenting what we're doing so we have efficiencies and can. Get to scale, there has to be some component of marketing strategy where you are either reinvesting or expanding, trying new strategies, new channels. How do you think about the marketing side when you're getting into growth?
2: One of the most dynamic challenges that a growth organization will face is sort of the struggle between investing in net new channels while also doubling down in the channel that's the most efficient. And in many ways you have to sort of wade through the woods for a bit in net new channels to figure out what works as an example. And this is, again, I'm not trying to pump you up here, Ben, but we've tried to figure out which podcasts really work for us to sponsor. And there's a lot of waste in that process. There's a lot of trial and error. And then we found ones like yours, the MarTech podcast, where us becoming a sponsor makes sense and efficiently brings back net new leads to our business. I think the challenge for an organization in the growth stage as it relates to scaling out your marketing activities is finding ways, and this is sort of the third point around our overview of how do we go from $100 million to a billion in 24 months, is finding ways to solve things with time versus capital. So our point around that is part of the analysis when we are now evaluating podcasts is listening and diving deep into anything we can find out on social and also qualitatively, what are we understanding about these podcasts? So before we make a decision to go in on a podcast now, we're using up a disproportionate amount of our time to figure out what is the best bet that we can make before we make the bet. And that's a challenging dance to have between time and cash, but that's the struggle of a growth stage company. you're trying to deploy cash to basically solve for scale, But you need to deploy time to solve for the stage of company you're in because you might not have that cash to stage sort of analysis might be really difficult depending on where you are as a company.
1: When you are early stage, I think the idea is that you spend to try to figure out if you have some sort of product market fit and then you get into the pre-unicorn phase, you're maybe the early growth stage or growing a viable business where you're trying to see what's the level you can scale. And most of the time you're buying and trying to figure out what your CAC to LTV is. And as you get bigger and bigger, my understanding is that you see more scrutiny on the health of your business, on what the actual business performance metrics are, right? What are your margins as opposed to is cash coming in the door? You can't just continue to burn cash to get bigger. You need to actually create efficient marketing channels, which... From a marketing perspective, means that you're moving most likely from reliance on performance marketing towards cultivating organic growth channels. But those take a long time. And that's why when you're talking about going from a hundred million to a billion dollar valuation, and if that is 20 million to 200 million of revenue, You're an order of magnitude different. How do you drive that much incremental revenue, in this case, $180 million of incremental revenue in 24 months while making the transition from we're just going to go on to Google and buy as much as we can to, okay, we're blogging and we're podcasting and we're influencer marketing and all these other organic growth channels that actually are more cost efficient?
2: Part of this relates to the first thing I said, which is that you need to fortify your base. So let's break down fundamentally, what do I mean by that? Your unit economics of your business need to be rational and make sense. And in each incremental step, when you step into scale, they need to continue to hold. So one question that every marketer should be asking themselves is, if I had unlimited CAC, if I had unlimited CAC, would my unit economics hold? And if the answer is yes, then they would be making a case to their executives of saying, hey, we should scale this thing right now. The minute they say no, the question should be why? Why can't we scale CAC? What is the rational explanation around why CAC to TV or our payback period or whatever efficiency metric they use to judge unit economics, why those unit economics don't work at scale? And my argument in this entire thing is when you think fundamentally about what we're doing at AIR. You're thinking about a business that has a variance of go-to-market motions, right? We're a product-led growth business. We have a free product that can take in virality and take in referrals and take in self-serve signups, and people can try before they buy and really find value before they buy. We've got a sales assist motion where if someone raises their hand, they can talk to the sales team. If they see an ad, they can sign up for a meeting and talk to our sales team. The beauty of that kind of model is it that it supports many different types of of qualified opportunities, qualified leads. They don't just have to come from paid and sign up for a meeting. They can see an ad and also sign up for a product and try it out and find value in it for six months and then talk to a customer rep. Or they could go on social and hear on Twitter that someone recommended air and jump over our site and try it and say, hey, I wanna talk to someone on your sales team. The beauty of having a dynamic go-to-market motion is that you can support a variance of leads. And so part of my point around this scale is that yes, Over the course of the next 24 months, we will scale out paid. But what's happening is our business is we're also investing in those long-term opportunities for leads. So as an example, in the course of the last three to four months, I challenge everybody, look at our timeline on Twitter. The beauty of social is that it's a live historical graph. The mentions of AIR over the course in the last four months had been 10 to 15x what they were six months previous. And part of that is us investing in long tail things like our referral program and our real communications and content marketing strategy that align to the objectives of the business. So I think my point in all of this is just to say that figuring out what business you have, what types of inputs it can make, and then making sure that that unit economic equation holds and checking in with yourself every month around, okay, can we push the next level of scale? Is the thing that we're doing internally in order to make sure that as we grow marketing spend at large or product spend at large, depending on how we want to view the inputs of the go to market motion, by 20, 30, 40, 50% incrementally, month over month or quarter over quarter, we have confidence and efficacy in what that's going to net out in our business. Because again, to speak to it, the beauty of enterprise software is that we're talking about a business with 80% gross margins. So, in many ways, much of the equation is how many customers can we throw in at top of funnel that then in an efficient way that holds unit economics that then get into this machine that is very retentive and also has a sort of 100% plus NDR. So, every time we add customers, not only are they staying, but they're expanding.
1: You said NDR.
2: Yeah, net dollar retention. It's also called net revenue retention. But both of those numbers speak to on a annualized or a quarterly basis is usually annualized. What percent of revenue remains at the business? And at successful enterprise software companies, your net revenue retention or net dollar retention is over 130%. So on an annualized basis, we took the cohort of customers. They're paying you 130% of what they were paying you when they got started. And that's part of why people get really excited about SaaS. That's part of the reason why multiples in the category can be as high as 40 times. Now, obviously, in this sort of market environment, they're down to 10 or 15 times because what people are doing is they're prioritizing growth efficiency. And growth efficiency has become the new game where everybody is centered on this unit economic equation and wants to make sure that you're growing, but you're also growing efficiently.
1: I think that's the big departure from where most people think about growth over the last decade. It was a cash burn. If I just spend and spend and spend to grow, then I'll have a large user base and then I'll figure out how to change my unit economics once I've got the body count. And now we're seeing more of a departure towards efficiently growing over time. And to me, that not only is a more responsible thing from a business owner and an investor perspective, it also changes the timing of when you should be focusing on growth and the strategies of what you should be relying on for growth. I guess the last question I have for you is, as you're going from this 100 million to billion dollar valuation, what are the channels that you've relied on? You've said product marketing, you've talked a little bit about performance marketing, As you're going through this iteration or this evolution, what are some of the things that your company has started to gravitate towards?
2: I think to frame it, one of the most important questions that we constantly have to ask ourselves is what type of business are we trying to build? As an example, if you are building a enterprise software business that sells to enterprise customers, and by enterprise customers, I mean businesses over a thousand employees, then there's an ACV threshold that you need to hit in order for that to make sense. And your go-to-market motion needs to be, you know, rationally associated with whatever the contract values are that you're bringing in. For us as a business, where we are today is, we serve SMB and mid-market businesses, which is basically like anywhere from 20 to a thousand employees, let's call it. And we're being pulled up market by larger and larger businesses who want to use our product at scale and we're being pulled down market by individual freelancers and creatives and photographers who want to use our tool. Our general thesis at AIR right, is that every company around the globe is a media company. So it is vast in that regard, but focus is so important. So to go to your question, how do I think about the marketing activities that unlock our scale to go from where we are today to the next level of revenue we would need in order to be a billion-dollar organization? So the obvious question there is, what type of revenue would we need? From my perspective, as a product-led growth business, the way that we need to model out our growth—it's David Sachs, is an investor from Kraft Ventures, specializing in enterprise software.
1: Former CEO of Yammer, he's been around.
2: Exactly, he's a legend. He pushes the three-three-three-two-two revenue growth model for a product-led growth SaaS business.
1: Three-three-three-two-two sounds like an amazing golf score.
2: (laughs) In your first year of growth, you need to do somewhere between seven hundred fifty thousand and a million. The next year, you need a 3X that. Next year, you need a 3X that. The next year, you need a 3X that. And then 2X and 2X. What the math shakes out to be is year two, you're doing over $3 million of ARR. Year three, you're doing over $10 million of ARR. Year four, you're doing over $30 million of ARR. And then you go from 30 to 60 and from 60 to 120. That's the track. If you want to fall into the lead table with Notion and Airtable and Figma and Loom and you know insert here, you're comparable. And so for us, the question really is how do we get on that track and how do we keep that growth up and what channels will unlock that? From my perspective, we're still in the threes and we'll transition to the twos, just for a point of reference. From my perspective, in order to keep that up, we need to have the right mix of qualified opportunities for our business. And that mix likely looks like 50% MQLs, 20% PQLs, and 30% SQLs. So 30% of our leads will come from the sales team generating them, 20% will come from the product, and 50% will come from marketing activities. Specifically within marketing activities, today, there is probably a 90% reliance on performance marketing activities to drive those leads. Our ambition suggests that we need to bring that closer to a sort of 50-50 dynamic between paid activities and activities that are more organic in nature. So that could be social, that could be content. That could be partnerships, referral program. And so part of what we're trying to do right now is invest heavily in the early stages of building that organic strategy because we know we need it in order to scale at the way we want to with the cash that we envision bringing onto this business over the course of the next 24 months.
1: As you get bigger, as your metrics start to change, there's always a shift towards marketing channels that are not reliant on paid. It's for every business. It's for every industry. As you grow up, you start to need to think about organic growth. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Shane Hegday, the CEO of AIR, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Shane and I are going to talk about why every company is a media company. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Shane, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Shane Hegde, that's S-H-A-N-E-H-E-G-D-E, or you could visit his company's website, which is air.inc. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests.